Hello there, church family. Good to be with you today. Uh, We're going to do our sermon recap this morning, talking about Ephesians chapter 6. The little section uh, we've been reading the past couple weeks is 10 through 13, which really is part of a bigger section uh, of the armor of God. But this past week, we really focused in on verses 12 and 13, which say, uh, let me just read from 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then this was our focus beginning in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This idea of Satan, demons, spiritual forces. It's interesting because I, I said at the beginning of my sermon that it seems crazy to a lot of people, but really, I think biblically it seems crazy to a lot of people, but really when you talk to the average American, I think a lot of them would say there probably are evil forces at work. Uh, whatever, you could say from ghosts and Uh, But also the occult is huge in America, trying to tap into whatever that is, which we would say from a Bible standpoint is probably demons that you're getting in touch with. Uh, And so I don't think it's too far-fetched to be discussing this. But again, when you talk about it from like a Bible standpoint, like, oh, I'm a Christian and I believe in Satan, that's when it, for some reason, gets crazy to people, even though they go in a lot of other other directions. Mm -hmm. And this is where Paul is is heading and talking about taking up the armor of God and being prepared for battle because he uses kind of like a, a Roman soldier look, right, is what he's going to get into, which we'll talk about the next few weeks together. But he's talking about this wrestling. He uses the word wrestling there, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And I tried to talk a little bit about that word wrestling and what would have come to mind is similar uh, to them back then is similar to what would come to our mind today with the idea of a, a fight, a battle, but probably back then a, a lot more brutal, uh, a lot more, a lot more blood, maybe even oftentimes death is involved in this battle, uh, even in the Olympic arena, you know, just uh, two men fighting until one gives up or one dies and giving up many times for these men weren't an option because that would be too embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And so really a brutal, brutal uh, fight. And that's what would come to mind as Paul is talking about wrestling here saying we are wrestling, but we do not wrestle with, with flesh and blood. And so I tried to talk about that briefly. Maybe you guys can talk because in other places, like in Romans chapter eight that I read verses 12 to 13, it sounds like Paul in Romans there talks about how the flesh is weak and it, it is something we battle. And so how can Paul say here, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but then in other places, it seems like flesh really is our enemy. Like flesh is something we have to get under control and fight and each and every day. So what do you guys, you guys have anything to say to that? Um, how does that relate or how can Paul melt the two or, or is this a contradiction in Paul's writing? Well, it's definitely not a contradiction. Um, but I mean, I, I think Paul, what he's doing is emphasizing something specific here. Um, but we see how flesh and blood and Satan can work together. Uh, I don't know if you referenced in your sermon when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, but 
that Jesus was dealing with some physical uh, uh, situations there, like where he was hungry, mm-hmm. tired, out in the wilderness, thirsty. Uh, so there was there was physical stuff going on, but Satan was, you know, attacking him at an opportune time when he would have been weaker. But um, I think what maybe Paul is pointing out here is that uh, it's not that it's it's not our flesh. And I think when he says that, he's also talking about our sinful natures um, that are going on there. But Satan tempts us using the things that we are already predisposed towards uh, to bring in those temptations and, and to take the opportunities um, where we are already weak in that sense. He's trying to exploit that, I think. Yeah, I think uh, what is obvious to us, and we can't say what Paul isn't saying here, is that flesh has nothing to do with the battle, mm-hmm. which might be where you want to go, but that's just not the case. Because of the battle that's taking place, the spiritual battle that is that is happening against the rulers, against the authorities, the cosmic powers over the present darkness, these spiritual forces in the heavenly places. That is that is like a the big picture of what's happening here. But as we battle in these personal battles, let's say whatever it is, oftentimes it does play out fleshly, maybe individually uh, with sin, like Paul's talking about there in Romans, of not giving in to fleshly desires and passions. Uh, but it also can come across in uh, your boss at work, another person at work, within the home, these battles that take place because we all have this sin that we're struggling with, and that's what Satan uses, mm-hmm. right? He uses those things, and so that's why a lot of times it seems to us that the battle is purely fleshly. Yeah. But Paul's reminder is it's not truly just a fleshly thing. It's a spiritual thing that is yeah. going on. It's, and it's a reality this. happening. You might have said it something like this, that it's, it's a reality happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the there's the evidence of it happening with your between your relationship with your boss at work, but really it's like Satan is there. He's pushing buttons, he's mm-hmm. trying to, you know, get things to happen. Yeah. Trying to get you to react a certain way. Um, but he's he's he works behind the scenes. Yeah. And he likes it most when he's not noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was very helpful for me. I saw a lot of commentators and different things when talking about this flesh uh, reminding us uh, how what scripture speaks of the flesh weak almost all the time the flesh is compared to weakness uh, weakness you know we do not battle with fleshly things like horses and men there's these other you know, and it's like why is he comparing this well because he's saying that stuff is weak that's weakness and that was a helpful thing for me to remember to be reminded of how scripture teaches that uh, because i would look at things happening in the world and you can get downtrodden you can get frustrated or there's times you can put your hopes in things of this world, you know, whatever it might be that are that are fleshly. But you think that that equals security, right? We think that that equals promise or whatever. And we have to remember that's that's not the case. Uh, the financial situation in your life could change drastically mm-hmm. in an instant. Uh, your security in your home can change drastically in an instant. It doesn't take much for your world to really be rocked all of a sudden and you see how weak these things really are and we can't put our hope in them and so it was good again for me to hear that and again that that reminder though that behind all that fleshly stuff what's really playing out in the grand scheme of things is this spiritual battle and satan is using these things satan loves the person who has their full trust in their finances that's that's Mm -hmm. where he wants them to be Mm -hmm. or full trust I, i mentioned this has full trust in their religion 
experience or whatever or how well they do that Mm -hmm. but that's where their trust lies and the fact that they're a church member Mm -hmm. or that they even give money to their church yeah Mm -hmm. and they say this is what makes me good that person's right where satan wants them to be Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i think something you said in your sermon i can't remember exactly how you articulated it fully but basically this is a reminder of who our real enemy is Mm mm-hmm you know, the people in your life that seem to cause you problems or whether it's your personal life or we can even think bigger, you know, with our countries or um, different states or issues going on politically, you know, that person is not your enemy. Mm-hmm. They are not the enemy. Mm-hmm. They are they are a person the same as you are. Um, and there's a greater enemy behind the scenes at work yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your, your thoughts on them. I think your sermon kind of combined very well with pastor spencer's at the evening service about your your uh thought towards that person should be compassion uh for them uh because they may be in the clutches of satan falling prey Mm -hmm. to temptation uh as well or just trusting in the things of this world and that is what's that's what's showing through in your relationship with them that's causing the tension and the heartache and the hurt yeah i I want to say a statement, but I, maybe you guys can prove me wrong from a scripture passage. But it seems like we as humans are not Satan's enemy. It's not that he dislikes us humans. He hates God, and he hates the things of God. And so really the enemy of Satan, this is why I say that, isn't man. It's the church. It's it's those who God is saved by his grace through faith, and that is who Satan wants to push against, and that's what he wants to keep mankind from doesn't want them to put trust in God. And, and so I think a way I saw it worded in one of the commentaries and I wrote on my paper is Satan does not want you to know God. Mm-hmm. He wants to pervert what you know of God. He wants to twist what you think you might know of God. He doesn't actually want you to know God because when we see who God really is, we see his grace, we see his love, we see his mercy, we see his kindness. We see all of these things about, about God. And that's what draws us to him right we want to we want to know him more than uh, and that is what satan is pushing and what satan is is fighting against and so like you said scott sadly what we see around us is we see a lot of people who don't they don't know god and so scripture would actually say that they're just following their master satan now they wouldn't say that i'm guessing the person you work next to who you don't think's a christian is probably not going to come out and say well i follow satan no probably going to still say they're a good person, might say they believe in God, all these different things. But the fact, is, the fact is Satan has kept them still from really knowing who God is, and that is his that is his goal. And so, like you said, Scott, we then, as Christians, should have compassion on the flesh and blood side of that battle. Because... Yeah, we see that person and they're acting belligerent or whatever it might be. They might even make fun of you for your faith. And it can be very hard to the point to where I hear some Christians say, I can't wait for Judgment Day to see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To see you perish. It's like, no, that that that's what Paul's talking about here. We we actually should have some compassion for them because they're slaves to sin. They're completely lost. And God has called us as the church to be light in a dark world, to expose the dark. And it makes it easier to follow the command to love your enemies. Right. Right. Yeah. When you Mm -hmm. can see like, yeah, they're my enemy, but it's because they're in bondage to their sin. You could almost see Paul, like when he wrote that, you know, obviously he knew his context and he said, you know how, and you you brought this out, Pastor Tim, really well, as far as the wrestling and and the Roman 
ways. It's kind of like the gladiators, you know, like you watched, maybe you saw the movie Gladiator and how they're like, they're fighting to the death. It's like you see all the energy they're expanding or expend, uh, mm-hmm. ex- expending, you know, to wrestle. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not the right battle, whether it's political or another nation or within your own home. The battle, the real struggle is with these spiritual unseen realities. Yeah. That's where we put our energy, meaning we, we arm ourselves and we're prepared and we stand fast and firm. Don't fight against things. And you see a lot of, unfortunately, in the church, sometimes in the Christian, you see, you see almost like people are battling for these causes, which are good causes, but they're spending all these energies. And you wonder, mm, is that the best use of our time or energy? And I think Paul would say, listen, you see these guys over here, they're wrestling. Don't do that with flesh and blood. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so one of the things, too, that we have to remember about Satan is this power that he has, this authority that he has that Scripture even talks about, calls him the God of this world mm-hmm. at one point, um, is an authority that has been given to him. God has actually given him this authority, has allowed this to happen. You can you say, man, how did that manifest itself? Well, you can think of like even with Job, right? He would go to God and say, well, this Job, you protect. And what does God do? Fine. You have authority now to go after Job. He gave him the authority to do that. Um, that's all. That's that. Everything Satan does, God has given him authority to do that. And I want to reiterate what I said Sunday. Maybe you guys would have uh, more wisdom to give to this. But people would ask why. Why did God do that? Why would he give him authority? And I really think that's a hard question to answer other than saying, God in his great wisdom planned out for that to happen because that what is what will give him most glory in the end. I don't know how that plays out. I don't again in my finite mind, my little fleshly mind, yeah, thinks, man, just never never create Satan. Never let that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but think it happened. that's what the whole book of Job is all about. Yeah. Is answering that that question um why does God allow bad things to happen to righteous people? Yeah. And what's the answer? In there? I love the it. answer is, who is, are you? Well, yeah, the very, cause Job eventually gets to the point to where, yeah, we're told he didn't do anything wrong. And even God says, yeah, he didn't do anything wrong to get this. Um, and then, yeah, eventually we get to the, the latter part where God is, is, is showing Job of uh, the fullness of, of evil with Leviathan mm-hmm. who is, is pictured in scripture as a watery serpent dragon creature. Um, it actually made me think about it um, when we went to the zoo recently and we saw the anaconda at the Toledo Zoo laying in the you water. you saw a dragon. I was like, yeah. what zoo? I'm going to the zoo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was an anaconda laying in the water, right? And it just reminded me of the picture of you see of Leviathan in Revelation, in uh, because, right, there's a creature that comes up from the water evil comes up from the water and the imagery in the the bible is consistent in that so anyway but yeah no that's the that's the age-old question and job is attempting to answer that and you see that ultimately um <clears throat> excuse me you see that uh come to to fruition with his with the, the crushing of the serpent on the cross ultimately is mm-hmm. this well if you ask that question well why does he have to die why does the god man have to die he's the perfect righteous person and he dies and um yeah. So anyway, good questions. That leads to uh, towards the end of the sermon. We said, "I said, knowing it's Satan who works in all evil, knowing all his authority has been given him, guy God leads us to a couple things that we should think about. Uh, first, what he said: we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. And this is where I brought out the compassion thing. We we need to understand this as Christians. Thus, we need to have compassion 
on the lost. Okay, but know that Satan is doing something; he's doing stuff there. Uh, second, we know that there is more going on just than what we see with our naked eye. <clears throat> and sadly, I think a lot of Christians stop at this, and they don't. We just see what's happening in the world, uh, and we think this is it. We might not say that. We might even sing songs about heaven and all this different stuff, but we act as if this is it and if this is final, and we have to be careful about that because we know there's more going on, uh, that all these battles with world powers and leaders and rulers, actually there's a cosmic battle taking place between God and, and Satan, and we're seeing it play out somewhat here, right? Uh, next, we need to remember that Satan does not have supreme rule over all. While he's called the God of this earth, he doesn't have supreme rule over everything. And you say, well, how do you know this? Well, and what I said in the sermon was the tomb is empty. And so he doesn't have supreme rule over everything. He tried to get it. And when he tempted Christ, he tried to get it. And Jesus just wouldn't allow that. That wasn't going wasn't gonna to happen, even in his fleshly weakness of being hungry, thirsty, tired. No, he answered him with scripture and said, this, this isn't going to happen. And so there, he doesn't have supreme rule over everything. And that includes the church. As the church, as those saved by God's grace, we are ruled by our Savior on the throne. And Satan has no authority over the church. Again, he's going to push against the church. He's going to fight against the church. But he cannot break the church. And he will not break break the church, the true church. And and that should give us some hope. That should give us some joy and some peace in our life. Uh, the other thing is we know scripturally that Satan is not going to stop. He's not going to stop until he is destroyed. Uh, and so it shouldn't shock us. You know, there are some who believe, and I don't think I believe this way when it comes to some end time stuff, that it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. I'm not that way. I, I, don't, I don't see that. Uh, I think Satan's going to keep fighting. And, but that's what lead to the last thing. But God does destroy him forever. God will destroy him forever. And we see that in Revelation. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to take place. I don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't want to say I do. But it does. And it, Christ declared that himself when he said it is, it is finished. And that's what's so special about what we're heading into with the armor with the armor of God. Because Paul says, therefore, right, take up the whole armor of God. Why to withstand the devil in this armor that we take up? is the armor of Christ. It's, it's Christ himself who has won. It, it is battle-tested armor that is victorious. And we know it's victorious, completely victorious, because Christ said, it is finished. And that probably what makes Satan so ticked off and fighting is he, he know the outcome is not good for him. It's like a, you know, a little crying baby that just won't stop and just keeps fighting and wants everybody to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the story has been written it's finished and it's over. And God has given us, because he loves us so much, he's given us this armor that we're going to look at for the next few weeks, these promises that allow us to stand against the schemes and the and the wiles of Satan, these things that he put to understand what's going on. You know, we're going to look at truth. We're going to look at righteousness. We're going to look at faith. We're going to look at the sword. We're going to look at salvation, these different things that God has given us. And it's interesting as you study those things, which we will, they're all defensive. Mm-hmm. Even, even to an extent, the sword, the, the sword is, is almost defensive. You know, as Satan attacks you, what do you use? Use your sword to stop his sword, to stop his fight. And that we see that with Jesus when he was tempted. What did he use to stop Satan? The word, 
He counteracted every time with, with the word. And so I'm looking forward to getting into these different things. And we're going to take each week to look at one of them this coming week uh, being truth. But this is why Paul could say, and this is maybe where in the sermon, if you were there on Sunday, it seemed aggressive, was Paul tells us to stand firm. He says, doing everything everything you can, right? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evening day, having done all to stand firm. And now, again, we'll, we'll talk about this in the weeks ahead, but we see, similar to like Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, we're told we have a great cloud of witnesses. This church is being encouraged to go on. And the writer of Hebrews kind of lambastes the church a little bit in like verses three and four, saying, you haven't even bled yet. Looking at the author and finisher of faith, looking at Jesus who ran this race, look what he did. And when we look in that, at that compared to this verse, Jesus, having done all, stood firm all the way. And as Christians, we've been promised that what God has given us, again, by grace, through faith, he's given us his son who has done all, completely. And so we look to Christ who has done everything for us. And what is our response? Our response should be, I want to do all I can to serve you and honor you faithfully with my life. And so when I was talking about when I was talking about like Sunday night service or Sunday school and trying to encourage people to be a part of that, and I said, it's not a numbers thing. I'm being honest. We set these things up in church, and God has given us these things, I think, to help us to stand firm. Again, it's, it's not so that you're a better Christian. It's not that only the real Christians go to those things. No. It's so that you can stand firm. And I thought about this after. It's kind of similar um, to coaching or with kids, even outside of coaching, maybe maybe teaching, you see a kid who has all the, all the intangibles, all the skills, right? Maybe they're, you can tell they are extremely smart as a teacher. They seem to catch on to math and to English and to science. It seems to just be there for them. And you're like, why is this happening to them and not these other kids? But yet you see that student who has all these all these things there for them, and they're wasting it, not putting in any effort, mm-hmm. failing at times because they're not turning in homework. Mm-hmm. They're just lazy. And as a teacher, you get so frustrated with those individuals because you think you have everything at your disposal to succeed, and you are wasting it. You're just sitting here wasting it, and it gets frustrating this is so often how I think then of myself with this passage. I think, Tim, as a Christian, you have been given everything. This says the whole armor of God is yours. You've been, gin, been given everything. You have all the intangibles. You have everything there. The blood of Christ covering your sin, the righteousness of Christ given you. You've been given strength. You've been given all this stuff, the Holy Spirit in your life. And at times, no doubt, I waste. I waste it. I waste my time. I waste the fact that I have the word of God, which is truth. I waste fellowship with believers because I'm too tired. I waste the opportunities to learn more about God because I don't want to get up early and go to church for Sunday school, or I don't want to meet with these guys and do a Bible study, whatever it might be. Again, and so I can understand how people could listen to that message and say, man, he's just really getting on my case. 
No, I see us as that student who has everything there. And it's like, don't waste. Mm -hmm. Stop wasting this. Mm -hmm. It's all there for you. And so it's not, it's not anger. It's not rage. Maybe there's some frustration there, but it seems like a lost opportunity, I guess. Well, there's nothing more frustrating than to see somebody you care about and you love that you know has everything they need to do what they need to do, but they just don't do it. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly frustrating. And it's frustrating out of a love and a concern for them. You know, and you, you brought up Hebrews, and when I was listening to your sermon, I thought of a, a passage that we recently looked at in depth at, uh, at Disciple Now back in uh, January with the youth in Hebrews chapter 5 in verse 11 when it says, About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, mm-hmm. since you have become dull of hearing. And in the original language, that, that phrase dull of hearing could also mean sluggish or lazy, that there's a kind of laziness that you've not grown in the things that you have been given. And if you go on in that passage, these these believers have put themselves in great danger simply because they've been lug- they've been sluggish, lazy, and that's led them to be dull of hearing. And the encouragement through that passage is, you know, you, it's not your working, it's the it's the promises and the faithfulness of God that it gives us our assurance, but it gives us the assurance to encourage us to not become dull to not become lazy. And uh but yeah, like when you see that you when we as pastors see people, you know, maybe in the church that are seem to have become kind of dull of hearing. You know, it breaks our hearts because we're concerned because we see a person who's putting themselves in danger, so to speak. Right? A person who has the armor but doesn't really wear it around basically. Um you know, and there's great concern for that. We were reading a devotion last night as a family and afterwards uh, my youngest son says, Dad, have, have you ever read the Bible all the way through? I said, yeah, last year. I mean, you know, I was just talking to him about it. He's like, so you, you know it all. And I was like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah. you mean memorized? I'm like, no. He's like, well, probably half of it. I'm like, <laughs> maybe. No. <laughs> I'm like, if you talk, my wife's trying to stick up for me uh, at the same time. And she's like, probably if you, if you mention it, dad would recognize it and so he's like well what's genesis 10 9 then dad yeah i just told you <laughs> so i'm like trying to walk my way through genesis a little bit and i'm like it's probably around the tower of babel it's between or noah, noah. And the tower. Yeah. <laughs> you know and, and so we're kind of talking about it but it did dawn on me in that moment too while he was saying that stuff was there is some truth to that i've read the bible through numerous times i do know it but yet so often i look in the mirror and failed again i did i failed again and, and so when I'm saying these things to the congregation, I'm thinking of myself again. I, I have to look at myself again, and I'm that, I'm that dumb kid, which your kids will like that I said that word. <laughs> I'm that kid again who failed, who was lazy, who knew, knew the answer. I know the answer. Don't do this. Did it. I, but what, is, what the good news is, and I want us to keep remembering this, is what Ephesians has been teaching us, is that Christ has done it for me. And that's what makes this God so amazing and his grace so outstanding. As God knew I would struggle with these battles. He knew. He knew he was going to give me the full armor of God. He knew all of this stuff. But yet, and he knew I would fail so often, yet for some reason... He would call me his own. He would adopt me, adopt me into his family. 
And that's what we really need to remember as, as Christians, as we, as we fight these fights, there's going to be battles that we win against Satan. There's going to be temptation. And the only thing we can say as Christians is, thank God he gave me the armor. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's, there's going to be times when we fail. And we're going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Thank God it's about him and that he's given me the armor. That it's not about me. Yes, I have to go and put it on. I, we're we're going to get to that. Put on the belt. Put on. There's, there is this action. But when Christ declared it was finished, it's finished for me as well. Mm-hmm. And he has saved me. And so I get, I get saddened, I guess, when I hear like, man, that was, that was a little aggressive of a sermon, you know, and, or, or I'll get some come to me on a sermon like that and say, that was awesome. <laughs> and I know what they meant. Yeah, like, yeah. go tear them down, man. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I'm doing. Yeah. I just hope we see ourselves and understand what God has done and let, let it draw us to him. Yes, I want to strive for him more. I should. I need to. Mm-hmm. Yes. But let's always rest in the assurance of his his grace and his love for us. Well, and that's what Paul Paul there is. The point, I think, of what Paul's doing there is to highlight the, the, the fact that we so often, um, he says, you don't struggle against flesh and blood, which makes me also wonder, if he's not simply thinking about other people, but your own sin struggles. Yeah, for sure. Primarily, actually. And then he's highlighting the greatness of the enemy. Mm-hmm. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against these things. But then he's highlighting the greatness of the resources that we have in Jesus Christ. It's mm-hmm. kind of like one of those things in Hebrews and elsewhere. Here's a call for the endurance of the saints. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he, I mean, he yeah. talks about the resources and he ends really with a real powerful resource of prayer. Right, Which we'll right. get to what, as well. Right. Like he says all this faith, right. all these things. Then he talks about praying for right. him. He says, even me, pray for me mm-hmm. while I'm here. Yeah. 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 The one thing you didn't talk about was the Nephilim with the spiritual, <laughs> the principalities and the powers. I was waiting for that, but you didn't. Did, come, what are the, did the commentators yeah, talk about that at all? You know, sadly, I didn't see the oh. Nephilim brought up. Okay. Not sure. Okay. I didn't know what part they played in there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. they're not flesh and blood. What are they? Fallen. <laughs> they were. Fallen. They were. Fallen yeah. angelic. Yeah. yeah. But so what sure. you, I'll say that like what you said about prayer, Tim, that uh, in your sermon that I, I really did resonate with was that one of the things you find yourself praying for most often is just motivation. Yeah. You know, it's like I, it, we can't conjure that up within ourselves. Uh, and sometimes we just need to pray and ask God to change our desires, to change our hearts. Mm-hmm. For that day, like God, I I personally don't want to do this today. Yeah. I don't want to follow you today, if I'm honest. And would you help me, you know, and uh, asking for his help in that. Mm-hmm. I think that's an honest prayer that all Christians should be praying. And it, But again, I think when you pray that prayer, you're recognizing your weakness. Yeah. Right? And I don't think it's, a lot of people probably, it's not a very manly prayer. All right, another day, give me some motivation to do this. Like, oh, just buckle up, man. Gird your loins like we're going to get to. Like they would use this as that. Come on, power yourself up. And it, I just, I guess I realize, and hopefully as people grow in Christ, they realize as well, I need him every step of the way. Like, get me out of bed, please. Help me to want to be a good Christian today. Right. Because I don't. Go, go, go read the Psalms. <laughs> yeah. About a third of them are like that. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, if, if anybody was a great warrior, it was David. Yeah. But David's always asking for help. Yeah. It's tough, and I, I was thinking about this morning. I don't think pastors have a harder job than anybody else, so don't please don't think I'm saying that. But for me, 
when I feel sick and I don't feel really good, I would love to have a job where they said, I need you to go dig this hole. Before they would say, I need you to go read. Because <laughs> like for me, the past week, I haven't felt good. You know, I just, I just haven't felt really good. And so for me to sit and start reading a book mm-hmm. is like the hardest thing in the world mm-hmm. to do or to study. I want to be told, just go do this. Go do this thing. So then in my head, I think, all right, that'll take me about three hours or eight hours. I can battle through that. And then I know when I get home, I can just rest or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But this wrestling with scripture and trying to think through it and formulate it, it's so, it's so hard for me. And so I find myself having to pray like, man, get me in the mode to study or to read because I need to be there. Even though I don't feel good, my flesh is really weak right now. I'm tired or it's hurting, whatever it might be. Right. That's something I have to think about often. And I, I'm sure Christians have to do that all the time. Help me to go to work and deal with this guy again, or to have to face this person. And I want to do it in a Christian way or, you know, help me to treat my kids well today. Give me the motivation. I know I'm supposed to love them, but I hate them right now. You know, or you got this feeling mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, I just want them out of here. Mm-hmm. That prayer, I think is just an honest yeah. recognition of who we are, but also of what Christ has done and trusting mm-hmm. in the power of the spirit to help us to to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, we sing the song, he will hold me fast. And, and it's, it's such a powerful song because I mean, and I didn't realize how, how, how God would tie that all in. But you know, as you were, as you were sharing in your sermon, it's like, and I, I just looked up the word, the, the word in Greek for all literally means absolutely all, like everything you've got. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ to, to give everything to Christ. But reminding ourselves that he holds us fast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, he, we are in, you said this, we are in the palm of his hand and no one can snatch us out of the father's hand. And, uh, and so I think that's, that was such an encouragement to me. And even as, as the congregation was singing that song and just reminding ourselves, like it's Christ that, that holds us in his embrace. And yes, we fight. Yes, we we sweat, and by the sweat of our brow, Genesis 3, we're working, but it's ultimately Christ that's holding us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, hopefully you have a chance to look ahead there in Ephesians 6. Uh, we'll be in verse 14, the first part, the belt of truth, or gird your loins with truth, as it says. Uh, you can look at that, think about that. That's right. That'll be our focus this, this coming Sunday as we continue to wrap up Ephesians. Well, thanks for listening uh, today. I hope it was helpful, encouraging to you, helps you to grow some. Uh, But by the grace of God, we look forward to seeing you Sunday. God bless.